Welcome to the Paradigm Shift on 4ZZZ 102.1, where we challenge the assumptions of our current society to resist oppression and investigate alternative ways of living for a world based on justice, solidarity, and sustainability. Welcome to the Paradigm Shift on 4ZZZ 102.1 FM, your local community radio station. My name is Andy and I will be with you for the next hour. And today on the Paradigm Shift, we will be talking about the universal basic income. In past times on this show, we have talked about the universal basic income, except back then it always seemed like this theoretical thing. And currently with our country and the world grappling with an economic crisis that has been the response of a few governments, Spain has brought in a universal basic income and there have been some members within Spanish politics who have said that it's likely to stay after the pandemic. Um, And Australia has brought in something resembling a universal basic income at the moment with New Start um, or the Job Seeker allowance, as it's called now, being virtually doubled and the Job Seeker requirements temporarily taken away. And so we are are living at the universal basic income in some ways um, as a response to financial crisis. I spoke this morning with John Quiggin, um, Professor of Economics at University of Queensland and a long-time theorist about many things to do with um, the environment and economics and also universal basic income. And so we, we have a long chat with him about different elements of it, about the current situation of the COVID recovery package, also about the merits of a universal basic income, how it would change, how we relate to work and things like that. I'm also going to play some songs. I decided actually I'm going to play some Centrelink themed songs today, not because the universal basic income is necessarily the same thing as our welfare system as it stands, but a lot of people who probably aren't Normally on Centrelink are getting to discover the joys of it all and so I thought to celebrate I'd play some uh, doll themed songs to go with our chats about universal basic income. So maybe we'll start off with one of those songs. This is Dick Diver with New Start Again. Fortnightly faces 
Monday's my day Peak in my week I got off to a slow start That is Dick Diver there with New Start Again. They not only wrote a song about the doll, they were the uh, creators of a genre about the doll, uh, if you can remember a few years ago when that Dick Diver album came out. Somebody uh, coined the term doll wave to describe them and some of those other jangly Melbourne bands of the time. And so, of course, you it wouldn't be right to do a show where you're going to play songs about the doll and not play Dick Diver. Um, you are on the Paradigm Shift on 4ZZZ. Uh, I spoke this morning with John Quiggan, economics professor at University of Queensland, about the universal basic income. Let's have a listen to that chat. Could you start off by introducing yourself? Yeah, um, I'm John Quiggan, Professor of Economics at the University of Queensland. Amongst the many economic subjects you've studied over the years, one thing that you have written a little bit about is the idea of a universal basic income, which for a long time seemed quite a marginal idea but is coming rapidly into the mainstream. Can you tell us a bit about what is a universal basic income? Well, there are various versions of it, and um, uh, the ultimate idea is that... um, uh, everybody in the community should have uh, an income sufficient to live decently upon. Uh, our current arrangements fall short of that in numerous respects. Uh, 
the standard rate of the former job start allowance was well below the amount that people need to live on and it was hedged around with a variety of conditions and, and um, uh, compliance requirements that meant that lots of people were forced, uh, forced off that benefit. Now, what we've seen... Uh, since the emergence of the COVID crisis is uh, first a very large increase in the value of the, value of the benefit and second uh, the effective abandonment of most of the compliance testing uh, robo-debt uh, features and so forth. Uh, so that for the moment we uh, we do have something uh, which uh, approaches uh, the conditions of a guaranteed minimum income although uh, there are substantial groups um, such as recent migrants and casual workers who've been uh, excluded from some of the provisions. I guess this in a time of crisis and a time of uh, economic crisis where the government ca- is just using a lot of debt to try to keep the economy alive, this is mm. something that's been seen to make sense. How do you think it relates to an economy that's not in crisis? Well, I think the first thing is... Um, this is the second big crisis in the past 12 years. And, of course, we had a very deep recession in the 1990s, uh, an oil crisis um, uh, before that. So, um, and then, then going back further, uh, world wars and the Depression. So that really long periods without a crisis are the exception rather than the rule. And the only really long period we had was one where the government acted fairly continuously in the post-war period to stabilise the economy. So, so the first point to make is... Uh, we shouldn't think of uh, crisis as being abnormal any more than uh, Australia should think of, say, drought as being abnormal. Crises happen and we need a, a structure that's, uh, that's ready for them. Of course, um, by introducing policies um, uh, in a very short space of time in response to a crisis means that um, uh, we're likely to need to refine them uh, when the current crisis passes, uh, but we can't just a return and say, well, that was that and we'll never have another crisis again. Let's just go back to where we were. Spain has brought in a, a universal payment uh, in the wake of the COVID crisis and there has been talk that it could stay afterwards. In Australia, it's not a universal payment at this stage, even though it, it is much broader than our welfare payments were before. Hmm. Do you think that there's going to be more steps like this? Well, I think we've probably seen the big steps uh, in terms of the measures that have been taken place. We've covered, you know, the measures have covered unemployed workers and then provided the job care allowance, which is a kind of step towards a job guarantee. So I don't expect to see uh, any more really big changes um, uh, in the immediate future in terms of in terms of new stimulus packages. I think what we'll see is uh, as anomalies emerge, where we're trying to fix them up as we see. The big issue is going to come in six months' time when the uh, supposed uh, uh, the sunset dates are supposed to apply to these uh, these measures, uh, I think there's a reasonable chance the worst of the uh, the worst of the pandemic will be passed by then, but uh, there's no serious likelihood I think that the economy will be uh, anything like recovered. We'll still have uh, still be operating uh, with a major economic crisis for a long time to come. And so I think uh, the idea that uh, in six months' time, we just go back to the way we were in February. I think uh, uh, doesn't make any sense at all. As I say, the long, in the longer term story of there being continuous crises, but even in the narrow terms, uh, there's no way that the economic crisis we now face is going to be over in six months. It has been talked about the universal basic income quite a bit over the years, and there have been some trials done at different times. What kind of models have been talked about of this way of doing 
UBI? Sure, well, there, there are a bunch of different ways of implementing implementing it, um, which all end up more or less the same in terms of who ends up with what after all taxes and transfers wash out, uh, but differ quite a bit in terms of the way in which they're and there's some... Uh, uh, both practical issues, but also symbolic issues that are important to people. So the three uh, three big versions, uh, probably the simplest is uh, give a lot of money, give a, an amount sufficient to live on to everybody, even people who have far more than they need, and then um, uh, and then uh, call all of that back through through taxation. Um, uh, a second, which is is, is related to that. And, popular more on the political right is the so-called negative income tax where everything's fed into the tax system from the start done entirely through the tax system and people on low incomes are uh, getting that payment rather than a um, uh, rather than rather than paying tax and the third is the, is the guaranteed minimum income where what we do is take the existing welfare system and expand it in such a way as to increase the level of benefits and gradually remove uh, uh, remove the kind of conditionality that, that apply at present. So all those three things work out the same in the end, but there are quite vigorous arguments as to as to which is the best way of, of uh, organising and presenting them. So in your mind as an economics professor, is there a model that is uh, sort of preferable? What are the good and sure. bad about those models? Well, I think, um, I think the, the argument I would make, uh, which I think is even stronger now, is... Uh, Oh, I favour the model that's the least distance from, from where we are, which is essentially guaranteed minimum or guaranteed level of income. Uh, in important respects, we have that right now. So uh, so my view would be uh, uh, we should defend that rather than say, well, that was great, so why don't we introduce something radically different in form, but which would have much the same ultimate effect. It's that time of a fortnight I'm on my way to the DSS and I hope that is true Somewhere along I run into you Your form looks fine I'll hand in yours if you'll hand in mine And the love that we share will be true love When we do for review Just pick ourselves up and we'll pop down to see the gang Talk it through Mid-90s Brisbane classic there. That 
is Small Fantasy with DSS, of course, in the days before. Centrelink, you went to the Department of Social Services um, to report for the doll. Um, I am going to be playing a few doll classics um, through the day. Um, before that, we had John Quiggin talking about the universal basic income. Let's go to back to that chat with John. Um, one of the things when the universal basic income is talked about, it often works with this assumption that there's plenty to go around. There's a you know there's enough wealth that everybody could. Um, have a, a basic amount. But this was also an assumption of early 20th century socialists. You read it in their writings and then when it came to it in those communist countries, actually there wasn't enough food for everybody to go around necessarily. Is it the case now or is this a delusion well, that comes from the system I, yeah, we live in? I, I mean, I don't think the experience of communism is really a very useful guide to anything, so I'll, I'll skip over that part. I mean, I think it's clear that yeah, you can do... That you can do uh, analysis of this, and I have, and um, uh, and roughly speaking, um, yeah, we're looking at uh, we need to transfer roughly ten percent of national income uh, from uh, income earners into the uh, into the system to deliver this kind of kind of benefit. Now that's quite a bit, but it could certainly be achieved with the kind of income tax rates that we had. Uh, uh, that we had in the 1950s and 1960s, top rates of up to 70%. And, of course, although it was kind of complicated in that period because we had effectively government-guaranteed full employment, uh, we were very close to, in the 1950s and 60s, the conditions of a universal basic income. Uh, it's really, the, in many ways, the loss of full employment uh, that's, that's broken that down. So, so I don't think there's any, anything to suggest that in terms of the resource available to the community can't be delivered. Mm. Um, and what a, this model has at times been popular with people on the very far right of economics, I guess, mm. and, and part of the popularity, I suppose, is the idea that you can just give people this cash payment and then spend the absolute minimum government amount on what we might call the social wage. Is that a worry that this is something that could be in effect? Well, obviously, people you know, people have have advocated this idea from a wide variety of perspectives, and um, uh, yeah, that's that's true. Of course, of most most policy ideas, uh, it doesn't really. Um, I think think you can distinguish two two parts. It obviously a comprehensive um, a comprehensive universal basic income or guaranteed minimum would uh, subsume most of the existing cash transfers that we have, the old age, pension, unemployment, benefit, sickness, benefit, and so forth, um, it doesn't really, one way or the other, affect the case for uh, a ca the case for the social waste features like health, education, and, and factors of that kind. So, uh, so alone, I mean, there certainly are correlations in the way you know, people uh, favour the policy, what version of the policy that they favour. You know, this is very much associated with Milton Friedman and the negative income tax. But really, these are two separate arguments. You could have, um, uh, as, as we do, in fact, have uh, a fairly substantial social wage, uh, uh, have Medicare, free public education and so forth, 
uh, while having a very stringent welfare system, and you could potentially have a very generous welfare system uh, and a largely privatised health and welfare health and education system if that's what you that's what you favoured. Mm. Now we have mentioned in this interview that. At the moment, we have something far closer to the universal basic income than seemed possible even a short time ago. Yes, we do. Um, but the the political will um, for this it sort of, I think, still re- retains some work. I remember Scott Morrison mm. kind of quote that um, this isn't about entitlement, this is about need, mm. as if people aren't entitled to uh, a basic living mm. amount. And it's been a, a very strong feature of this government since Tony Abbott was first yeah. elected as a kind of anti-welfare rhetoric. Is, it, is the political will there to expand this? Well, that remains to be seen. I mean, I think um, obviously throughout this has been an attempt to distinguish between, in some sense, uh, the deserving who've only lost their jobs because of the COVID crisis and the undeserving who are unemployed for some other reason. And the assumption is that at the end of the six months, um, I will be able to go back to um, uh, go back to that, to that the emergency due to files will be over, we go back to that distinction. Uh, I think that partly depends, of course, on how things evolve, but also, also obviously, it's a political struggle. There's political support and political opposition. Hmm. Do you think that at this stage, as somebody, and you are an advocate for a universal hmm. basic income, at this stage that the, um, the model for that would be to fight to retain the, the current system that we have under COVID? That's basically, that's to my mind, the obvious strategy to push for is to take the take where we are, and say uh, that what we want to do is maintain as much as we can of what's what we've achieved in this temporary period uh, to resist going back going back to uh, you know, the, the pre pre crisis uh, situation that we had. I am having. Uh having experienced this government over the last few years and, and then seeing this, a lot of people have been claiming it's sort of a, a win that for more humane uh, welfare system or, or more socialist or more Keynesian kind of economics. Um, but is that sort of, is that true or is this just uh, an emergency kind of, injection into the free market from uh, people who haven't changed wholly their views? Um, I, I think I think clearly there's been a significant shift. And, I mean, you can see this, I mean, very rapidly that, um, you know, it's, say, only five weeks ago, you know, the government was saying, we're, gonna, we're not going to do anything like what the Rudd government did. We'll look at maybe $5 billion and uh, something which will be very carefully targeted in ways they weren't. They've gone... Completely, completely abandoned that. Now that doesn't mean that they won't. Um, uh, that doesn't mean that they won't try and shift back once the um, uh, once the opportunity comes up. And of course, this they've still got the big tax cuts book for the future, which can't possibly be delivered if this style of spending uh, continues. On the other hand, I think um, uh, yeah, someone like Scott Morrison is far less ideologically attached to this kind of thing than, say, John Howard was. So I think. Um, I think you know, we will see, you know, just a general change in thinking about these things. A lot of the rhetoric you know, about the importance of balancing the budget and so forth, obviously, is not going to not going to fly very well 
given that yet again, you know, as they announced, we're going to we're going to be in the black. We won't be. Um, it's hard to believe that that any party will be able to sell that story as as a as a major selling point in anytime soon. Mm. You said earlier that you think the economic fallout for from this will last much longer than the pandemic. What do you think it's likely to look like, the, the fallout from this? Well, first, yeah, first, I can't see international travel returning on a large scale for quite some time, um, and there's obviously going to be massive disruption to... Um, massive disruption to production chains and so forth. So I think we'll see uh, a long period of of where, uh, in the absence of, of government action, we're going to see uh, the, the supply shock which we've had from the virus uh, replaced by a situation where there's lots of, uh, you know, where, where there's lots of problems with demand, lots of firms bankrupt and so forth, and that uh, we're going to need continued government support for the economy for quite some time to come. Mm. And do you think that the form that this will pay, I mean, there's been a lot of government injections into um, business as well as these kind of, I guess, welfare payments. Mm. Um, What other measures are we likely to see? Could it spin around and could we get austerity measures? Well, obviously that's a possibility. I mean, I think the failure of austerity in, in the... EU in 2010, which was generally recognised, may uh, will, will argue into that. But obviously, that's that's part of the political struggle that's going to, going to follow as as the immediate emergency passes. So it's impossible to predict how things will ha- will happen. But obviously, I think the uh, the case for austerity has has been uh, pretty gravely weakened. The countries, you know, among other things, of course, uh, particularly austerity in the EU has clearly contributed to the inadequacy of the initial response in terms of the health hospital system. So so I think um I think although that although undoubtedly that's going to be the um uh, going to be fought out over over quite some time to come, uh, the crisis has has strengthened the arguments against austerity. The following item has words which are likely to be naughty and probably contains lewd and adult concepts. So if you are liable to be offended, I'd tune out now. Right now. Thank you. Seeker. 
I'm Mr. Williamson. What have you done in order to find gainful employment since your last signing on date? Fuck all. I sat around the house wanking, and I want to know why you don't serve coffee here. My signing on time's supposed to be ten past eleven. It's now twelve o'clock, and some of you strange bastards need executing. Mr. Williamson, your employment history looks quite impressive. I'm looking at three managerial positions you previously held with quite reputable companies. Isn't this something you'd like to go back to? Nah, I just end up fucking robbing the place. You got a till full of twenties looking at your day? Well, I'm either gonna fucking bank it, I've got drugs to take, and a mind to break. Job seeker, can a strongbow, I'm a mess Desperately clutching on to a leaf-long depression Supplied to me by the NHS It's anyone's guess how I got here Anyone's guess how I'll go I suck on a roll-up, pull your jeans up Fuck off, I'm going home, job seeker 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 That is Sleaford Mods there, always um, at the most polite and well-behaved, and that is Job Seeker, their tribute to signing on, as they call it in the UK. <laughs> um, before that, we've been talking with John Quiggan. He is an economics professor. He is also an advocate of the universal basic income uh, payment to everybody to allow us to all survive and participate in an economy. Um, let's go to the last little bit of my chat with John. Just to go back to the universal basic income, and I, I think um, people give different defences for it and some say it's a more simple kind of welfare state or a, a more kind of basic justice. I think one of the interesting things about it is that it has the potential to really reshape how we think about work and what that means. If people aren't 
always beholden to working for a boss, then there's a chance for them mm. to discover new talents and passions and yes. rethink about what the most valuable way to spend their time is. Is this something that you think is important? Yes. I mean, I mean, the late Anthony Atkinson, another leading economist, uh, put forward the idea of a, a participation income. So this would be a step on the way to universal basic income, basically saying it's not necessary to have a paid job that you can contribute to the economy uh, through, for example, volunteering or creative work, uh, and that we, we need a broader view of, of what's a useful contribution to the economy. And, of course, uh, uh, the other side of that is... Um, Flip side of that is, as the, this crisis and previous crises have revealed, there are lots of jobs out there which where people seem to be getting huge amounts of money for stuff that doesn't contribute very much when we really need it. And conversely, of course, um, low-paid workers who turn out to be essential. And, and so all of those, I think we'll see that kind of reassessment taking place uh, uh, with increased vigour as we, as we reflect on the outcomes of the crisis. Mm. Another way of that same trying to reshape our idea of work in a in the face of an ecological crisis that's to, to do yeah. with our our overproduction and overconsumption as well as the um, economic crisis, it, it does seem necessary to reshape our our ideas of work to something that's less just mm. purely producing all the time. Yeah, certainly we need to. Um uh, certainly, we need to reduce material throughput, um, and yeah, we need, I think, to look at the fact that right through until the, until probably the nineteen seventies and nineteen eighties, a substantial amount of the benefits of technological progress were taken in the form of uh, increased leisure, or at least increased freedom from uh, shorter hours of uh, paid work. We haven't really had any significant reduction in full-time working hours for nearly forty years, and that's an obvious thing that we need to look at in this general context. Yeah, this is another, I mean, a, a political tactic or something to aim for is a, a reduction in the working week. Um, yes. This could be tied to the universal basic income or it could not be. I mean, it, mm. generally the idea is if everybody was working less, um, that one, there may be no fall in production anyway, or that mm. two, that the cost of living generally would go down. Is that another thing that we could, we could try to agitate for? Well, I certainly, certainly think we should be agitating for it. Obviously, it hasn't really come up um, as yet in the context of the crisis, but obviously if we are going to restart parts of the economy um, uh, 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 that have been... If we're going to have continued constraints, I think, on things like social distancing, and one way of addressing that would be with, with shorter standard working hours. In a sense, of course, the JobKeeper allowance, people are being paid a full-time wage for doing less than a full-time job, so there's an important sense in which that is a, a reduction in hours. Mm. I guess, finally, John, um, the... The other question is, you know, how do we build social movements to um, agitate for these things? The trade union movement is not nearly as strong as it once was um, in Australia and in, in other ways has it, it's not as creative in, I guess, I guess it generally is pursuing higher wages and better conditions rather than ideas or a lower working week or things. What kind well, of things I mean, can we use yeah. to get there? 
Well, I mean, I think, yeah, the, I think the union movement has stepped up in recent years, and particularly during the crisis. But obviously, um, obviously, we've had a long period where, um, you know, legal tracks have been, legal chains have been very hostile to unions, and so that's something, uh, something we need to fight for. But of course, uh, what we've seen is is lots of, um, uh, in the, you know, lots of ways of organising uh, that sort of you know, taking advantage as everybody does, including, of course, negative forces of of social media and things of this kind. So we need obviously need new forms of new forms of organisation uh, to replace the kind twentieth of century model of you know, mass meetings and newspapers and things of that kind. Um, but um, uh, you know, I'm not really an expert on how to do that. Uh, I suppose I, I contribute by writing stuff and hope, hoping that those ideas will be taken up by people who have the organising capacity that I don't have. All right. Thanks, John. Great. Thanks. Bye. Down to Centrelink I got no form to put in like you might think I'm just heading down Cause there's a big pool Of women with time on their hands Some are maybe looking for a man Some probably even went to my high school Mobbery High Now they're in the line, they're in the loop They're from my socio-economic group Lord knows how long some of them have been waiting I can check out their personal profiles, their hobbies and their interests And how many training credits they've been accumulating Tells me she gets the pension for reasons that she'd rather not mention And I say, hey, that's alright with me Cause we've all had tough times in our life I'm not exactly looking for a wife Just someone who'll give me a bit of company I think I'll go do some work for the doll You know I find it soothing for my soul Not cause I wanna meet some mutual obligation but I just wanna meet new girls, maybe pick up some new skills, maybe start myself a new relationship. Something different about her demeanour Her clothes were nicer, her skin was cleaner She was behind the counter, that's how I could tell she had a job But she said, I got work to do I can't spend all morning talking with you And besides that, I think you're a lazy slob That's how I sob Well, generally the staff are most helpful But every now and then you'll come across a real bitch Seems that's what had happened to me this time And I don't deserve it I ain't no Jesus, ain't no saint I'm gonna lodge an official complaint Maybe that'll remind her to be more helpful next time Round Round 
On the paradigm shift on Fortable Z, that was the one and only Sour Sob Bob with Centrelink. Um, we're on all songs about getting the doll here. Um, as Billy Bragg says, it's a mighty long way down rock and roll from Top of the Pops to Drawing the Doll. And um, that is my favourite song about getting the doll. That's Sour Sob Bob with Centrelink. Uh, before that, we were talking uh, with John Quiggan about various things, about universal basic income and the government's current uh, response to the COVID economic crisis. Um, and uh, as John helpfully pointed out, and it's always good to have an economist say this, the crisis is not something that we should consider as a, um, an unusual event or unexpected event. Um, those of us who lived through the global financial crisis and then watched this happen, um, and of course the uh, recession in the 90s and the Wall Street crash in the 80s, the Asian financial crisis in the 90s, um, going back you know, to the Great Depression and in, in between you get this amazing boost that, as John pointed out, in after World War II there was a lot of government spending that... Um, boosted the economy, it held such a stable economy for so long. Um, the economic crisis is not something unexpected, it's a part of capitalism, part of the, the contradictions inherent in it, in our economic system and so we should be thinking about alternative ways to do things all the time, we should always be talking about uh, what are our kind of crisis payments because capitalism itself is an economic crisis and not only in the cycles of boom and bust that mean that um, things can be seemingly going well and then all of a sudden a, a lot of people can be out of work or a lot of people can have lost their investments or lost their collateral or things like that. Um, it's also a crisis in the gross inequality of it and that the way that CEOs are paid 500 times more than the bottom workers of their companies, the way that people that are invaluable parts of our supply chain, say in Australia, are working for potentially a dollar an hour in other parts of the world with, without even the most basic safety requirements. Um, 
and also the uh, environmental cost of our economic system, which is literally destroying the planet that we live in, um, and not just through climate change, but through um, our resource usage, um, which is totally out of control. And so we uh, we need a, a crisis. Uh, long before we got to this economic crisis, we needed a, a crisis realignment of our economy. Uh, we're getting one at the moment, and it's interesting to observe it. It's interesting to think about what are the good and bad things about it and what will happen once the the immediate crisis is over when the government goes to maybe reclaim some of that money they've put out or maybe start to cut out some of those payments. How are we going to get together as people to try to defend the gains that we've made to try to protect people's right to be able to survive and to be able to work good jobs and by good jobs, not just jobs with good pay, but jobs that mean something, jobs that use people's skills well. And we're going to emerge out of the COVID crisis with a real need to uh, try to struggle together to create an economic system that is more just and that can look after people. And so it's good having people like John Quiggan who have written a lot about these kind of ideas in the past and good having people um, analysing what's going on at the moment and talking about how we can work together to try to win some political gains. I did just get a brief call from Ian Kerr, um, your regular paradigm shift host here. Um, And Ian was saying that he worries about the fact that um, a lot of people over 50 are going to be sort of shifted out of the workforce with very high levels of unemployment. I think in Australia we're currently at about 15%. um, That this will be uh, one step of putting people who are the more vulnerable workers and pushing them out of the workforce and all kinds of things like this are are what we're going to need to be aware of and going to need to be struggling for. But I think also we need to be looking at big picture questions um, and things like the universal basic income. It's quite a restructuring of how we do um, welfare and how we do economics. Um, But these are things in a world where everything is in flux. These are things that are worth talking about now while we can. And so uh, they're things I hope to keep bringing you on the paradigm shift, people with these big ideas and big questions that they are asking um, to, to keep discussing them. And, yeah, I think we... We haven't seen anything yet. We've seen a, a dramatic uh, change from the Australian government economically, but um, uh, I don't think that they are all of a sudden completely sold on the idea of Keynesian kind of government planned economy or of the idea of um, giving generous amounts of money to people that are. Uh, on the lower end of the income scale and people who are out of work and things like that. But, um, and we need to, we're in a situation now as well where our old institutions of how we get people together, how we organise society, a lot of them are sort of in flux at the moment and hard to do and so we're going to need to find new ways as well to organise people and to try to uh, look out for one another and influence policy so that is what is ahead of us over the next few months while so many of us are stuck at home. Um, 
I might play another little track um, here on the paradigm shift. It is ten to one. Um, let's play Jeffrey Lewis covering the Crass classic. Do they owe us a living? One, two, three, four, three, four. About the state of the nation, the way it treats us today At school they give you shit, drop you in the pit You try and try and try to get out, but you can't Cause they fuck you about, then you're a prime example Of how they must not be This is just a sample of what they've done to you and me Do they owe us a living? Of course they do, of course they do Do they owe us a living? Of course they do, of course they do Do they owe us a living? Of course they fucking do But they don't want me anymore Cause I threw it on the floor They used to call me sweet thing But I'm nobody's slave thing And now that I am different They'd love to bust my head They'd love to see me cop out They'd love to see me dead But do they owe us a living? Of course they do, of course they do Do they owe us a living? Of course they do, of course they do Do they owe us a living? Of course they fucking do But the living that is owed to me I'm never gonna get They've buggered this whole world Up to their necks in debt They give you a lobotomy For something you ain't done They'll make you an epitome Of everything that's wrong But do they owe us a living? Of course they do, of course they do Do they owe us a living? Of course they do, of course they do Do they owe us a living? Of course they fucking but they don't take any notice of what the public think They're so hyped up with TV, they just don't want to think They'll use you as a target for demands and for advice And when you don't want to hear it, they'll say you're full of vice But do they owe us a living? Of course they do, of course they do Do they owe us a living? Of course they do, of course they do Do they owe us a living? Of course they fucking do Oh yes, that is Jeffrey Lewis um, from his album, 13 Crass Songs, I think it's called. Um, uh, that is a cover of the debut single from Crass, um, Do They Owe Us a Living. I recommend that album. I recommend listening to Crass as well, classic anarchist punks from late 70s and early 80s. Um, but that album of Jeffrey Lewis covers is very fun. Um, <laughs> one of my favorites. The best cover album ever made. I'll stand by that. Um, and we have been talking about, we've been playing songs that are about welfare and Centrelink. Um, and we have been talking about the universal basic income. I guess one of the things that f- to me is really significant about the idea of universal basic income is not so much the idea of giving people enough money to survive, which I think is very worthwhile and um, uh, important because, of course, it's not like you can easily opt out of the capitalist system. We're kind of born into this a world where everything's already owned and we're expected to pay rent from, you know, just for a place to exist on this earth and then go to work making money for somebody else to um, to fill our time, to justify our existence and to be able to survive. And I think this is a, a tragic waste. Um, one, because as we've already said, the system that comes from that is just uh, unjust and unsustainable. But also it really does mean that our work, which is, you know, a, a very significant vocational way of spending our time. It's a part of what it means to be human, I think, to create with our hands, to do things with our abilities and to contribute to the world around us. That work is demeaned into this just uh, doing what you're told, 
for the sake of somebody to make money off it or, you know, in what other way that it's been deemed worthy of being paid money for. And in this way, we've wasted huge amounts of human resources in not uh, letting people organically develop the natural talents that they have or the the interests that they have and the, the things that they could be contributing to the world. Um, and we're also, rather than talking about what are the world's true needs, instead we have uh, the imperative of profit that drives what we all do with all of our time. Most of us spend a lot of our time working and we don't work according to what we want to do um, or what we think the world needs, but we work by what will make money and what somebody else will uh, pay money for us to do. And so I think one of the exciting things about the universal basic income is trying to reshape that idea of how we think about work. And I am an advocate, not just for it, but I really think a lower work week, a shorter work week is one of the best things that we could do. I think some people say four days, I think three days. Um, This is a classic line from... Steve Hughes is, um, why do you want to go to work? Everything's built already. Um, and Steve Hughes says he'd do three days just, uh, as a part of your existence. But um, I think in that way we get to, you know, still doing some of the things, still existing within this world, but having a couple of days to really explore what is it that we want to do. And I think uh, the potential to see a lot of people volunteering their time, a lot of people coming up with creative projects um, and doing the work that really matters, which is so often is not paid and a lot of time to stay and raise their families better or build on better relationships and build on better ourselves. You know, we don't necessarily have the time if you're working full time, if you've got a lot of pressures on from other things to really uh, work on ourselves and ask a question about who are we the person that we want to be and so all these kind of things, I think these are big questions and I think the universal basic income helps to ask us these kind of questions. But uh, whether we get there or not, I think it's super important to analyse what we work for, uh, why we work um, and what we're aiming to build with all this time that we spend and all this effort that we put into our work because uh the real work is working to build a better world. And so I encourage everybody to be out there doing that. Even if you're home from work right now, even if you've lost your job, you've been quarantined out of your workplace, the real job, which is creating a better world, hasn't stopped and it's all still there for all of us. And so um, I encourage everybody to to get amongst it and, and do that and discover what our what our real abilities are, what our real passions are. That's where, um, that's where r- the real work can come from. And I think things like 4ZZZ, you know, almost everybody at 4ZZZ is a volunteer and yet we keep this going and it's been going for 45 years this year, um, a community radio project and making Im- the media that we believe should be out there doing um, the things that are important to us. And there could be so many other institutions like this if we had the same value for unpaid work um, that we do for the work that we are forced to do by by our bosses, by a monetary system uh, that enslaves us. 
Um, and so let's do it. Let's do the real work. That's about all for Paradigm Shift. Um, if you are on the um, the job seeker payment, which is about to go up significantly, then um, good on you. Come up with good ways to spend your time and come up with some good ways to put the, that extra money to. There's worse ways than supporting 4ZZZ. Of course, we are currently doing the April Atonement subscriber drive and there's some good prizes that you can win. And so keep supporting 4ZZZ. I'll be back next week um, with more Paradigm Shift. And to go out with, this is Insurge with Welfare State. <laughs> Yeah.